What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today I was joined by a very special guest. I had Cassidy Dixon back on the podcast with me. I always love our conversations. Uh, She's great, very transparent. Uh, We got personal with her situation. And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode because um, Cassidy shares a lot about what she's been going through and currently experiencing with infertility, going through IVF, which I think is something that needs to be discussed more, not just if you are going through that yourself or you've been through it yourself, or if you know somebody who's going through it. But I think that there's a lot that we can take away from this conversation that applies across the board, regardless of where you're at in your journey, what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I think that there's a lot to take away from this conversation. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. And we would love to know if you do, please give us a shout on Instagram. If you get something from this conversation, tell us, post it to your stories on Instagram. So first take a screenshot of the episode then post it to your stories. And you can tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And you can tag Cassidy at Cassidy.life.elevated. Without any further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, guys, I am back with another special guest. What's a return guest? Cassidy Dixon is in the house virtually. Um, We were going to set up this whole intro where Cass was going to have her adorable new Frenchie on the (laughs) podcast, snoring into the microphone, which I thought would have been a great way to start the show. But I guess we'll settle for just a welcome back to the show, Cass. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's just me. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. I mean, it was funny because I was on my my team call today and we like started talking about dogs. I'm like, we don't even need to talk about business. We'll just talk about dogs all day. Um, You have two, you have uh, Frenchie and then what's the, what's the other dog? I have so a Frenchie that is almost a year old and then a Cane Corso that is, he just turned two. So we have like uh, Dozer, the Cane Corso, he's 120 pounds and he's arguably one of the smartest dog breeds. And then we have our Frenchie and he's like 20 pounds and he is arguably one of the like, he's actually the second to dumbest dog breed out there. But so they're like a really funny mix and a good balance. Um, but and they, yeah, they, they make us super happy. We love them. <laughs> yeah, love it. The pictures on Instagram are classic. Um, it's <laughs> funny because we've been talking about getting a Frenchie. We have two dogs and we've been talking about getting a Frenchie as our third. Um, and I feel like all signs are pointing in that direction. And <laughs> I'm just going to keep sending you pictures and videos until you're like, shit. Okay, Cass, I'll get a Frenchie. <laughs> One of my coaches just got her fourth dog. She's like, you can deal with three if I can deal with four. I'm like, all right, fine. We should probably just do it. No kidding. I mean, and Frenchies are so like, I was telling Justin on our walk today and like, he just, he's like a mini dozer. Like he does whatever dozer does. He, he's like his little shadow. So if you have two, you can handle three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's been a lot that has happened in your life since you were last on the show. And I think it's cool that we're doing this now because the last time that we spoke, um, you were kind of going through a transition of, you know, competitive athlete to more like coach and just, you know, trying to be lifestyle fit and, and just like transitioning out of the competitive world and into coaching full time. And now 
you're kind of going through another transition. So um, what I really appreciate about you is that you've been like very open about your story and have shared the journey. Um, so if you want to just update everybody on um, kind of like, I'm curious now having, you've been coaching for a while. Um, it's been a while since you've competed, right? And now you're kind of going into this next phase of life as a soon to be mom, which has not been the smoothest journey. So um, I think it's really cool that you you shared a lot of that. If you want to just, for those who don't follow you or, um, you know, just kind of give us an, an update on where things are at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess to kind of like summarize it. So basically, you know, when the last time we chatted, like you said, I was transitioning from being almost a full-time athlete into like, all right, now I just moved to look good, feel good, like I'm healthy. And that in its own was a transition. Um, and when I transitioned out of becoming an, or being an athlete, um, you know, we had the goal of letting my body recover a little bit and then start trying to have a family. And I had really, really unrealistic expectations about that process because, you know, I had been, I've been healthy my whole life. I've worked out my whole life, like no infertility issues with any of my family, with any of Justin's family. So um, I went into it pretty like oblivious to what our journey could look like. And I, I definitely took that for granted. So we, you know, we worked on things on our own for, you know, two, two and a half years before we actually had to reach out to and, and start working through um, a fertility center. So the last year and a half, we've been working directly with the fertility center, going through IVF um, and, and just working through all that stuff. And it was a huge mindfuck, honestly. Like I went from being in complete control of everything that I could do um, as an athlete into the struggles of like, okay, how do I find this balance? Like almost back into the world of like, what the hell do I have control over? Because it, it felt like nothing, right? Like as an athlete, you want, if you want something, like if you want a heavier snatch, if you want to PR your snatch, if you want to get better at a jerk, you just practice, you watch videos, you record yourself um, and you just keep working. And like, I was in the position where I was just so hopeless through our infertility journey that I, I literally felt like I couldn't do anything to control it. And it was a super difficult stretch for me. Um, you know, I mean, there was a good portion of this year where I was unable to work out. Um, I've gone through this like major identity crisis with like, who am I? What am I able to do? If my body can't make a baby. If my body can't uh, be an athlete, like what, what am I supposed to be doing here? Um, so it was really like, a, it was a really rough year. Um, you know, and like you said, like we had some success, our uh, last transfer was in November and we found out that we are pregnant. We're actually 10 weeks and three days now. So definitely like progressing. We just uh, graduated from the fertility center. So lots of good stuff coming now. Um, still not in the clear quite yet, but man, the last year has been like literally hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what were some of the ways that you processed those feelings of like, I have no control, like the identity crisis. And, you know, like you mentioned, going from athlete to feeling like, all right, as an athlete, like you mentioned, if I need to work on something, I can, I can fix it. I can see where my weak spots are. I can watch, you know, I can watch myself on, on film. I'm guessing that when you were trying to have a baby, you didn't 
repeat film and, and, <laughs> and everything. Um, <laughs> well, about that. <laughs> so like, well, how did you process some of those feelings of like, well, what's my purpose here? Where's my, what's my identity? If I can't control this, uh, then, you know, what's the point? Like some of those dark thoughts that I'm sure entered into your mind, what was the way that you have kind of continued to process through that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, at, at the start of it, I didn't process it and I was just pissed. I was so angry and I didn't know exactly what to do, honestly. Um, and it, it honestly just took like two really innocent conversations that I had with actually two people that, you know, and I ended up having them on my podcast for, um, to interview them about infertility, but I, I had a conversation with them and they were both like, oh yeah, we went through IVF. Oh yeah. I might, you know, my wife had to go through IVF and I was like, this is such a common thing and no one talks about it. I was like, why is this so hush hush? Like why? this is a huge thing, you know, like one in eight couples suffer from infertility. So why is no one talking about it? Um, so as I kind of worked through the early stages of it, I ultimately decided that like w- the only way I was going to be able to get through this was to share my journey and try to help people understand more about infertility because I was learning so much about it. I, I mean, like I had so many, um, you know, thoughts of how things had to be or should be. And I like had to break my own beliefs through that process. So uh, I actually started sharing my journey. I started a blog. I did a whole series on infertility on my podcast. Um, And I shared every, people would say that I'm crazy for this, but I shared every little stage of our IVF journey and healing. Like that is what helped me heal and like become like find purpose in it, I guess. I was like, if I, if I'm out of control in so many of these other areas, I need to do something for this and help other people. And that helped me a lot. And even at one point, cause at first I was like, I need to do this for myself and share for other people. Uh, like I want to help other people understand this and have easier conversations around infertility. And then it quickly, like, I actually started to feel guilty because it was helping me heal so much that I'm like, what reason? Am, what what am I doing this for? Who is this for? <laughs> so it was an interesting, like you went full circle. But um, yeah, that's really how I kind of worked through some of those thoughts and issues that I was struggling with. Yeah, that's amazing. And when I I told Mel that you were coming on the show, and she has been through infertility treatment as well, and and literally had the exact same uh, comment that you just mentioned, which was nobody talks about it. It's so common, and nobody talks about it. Yeah, like, it's great that you're coming on here. So. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned through that process that maybe were just misconceptions you feel like are common misconceptions that you started learning through your own journey um, as you were kind of uncovering things for yourself and um, sorting through a lot of the stuff that you've been through, anything that you feel like was eye-opening to you or stuff that you previously thought was you know one thing and then it turned out to be another, just like some some of the stuff that you learned along the way? Yeah. So um, a couple of things with that. I mean, the first one is that like, no matter how much research and how much you look into infertility and look into IVF or IUI or anything like that, everyone's case, your like your individualized case is so different that you'll never find answers <laughs> by research, by Google, by reading, by any of that. And you'll never even really fully understand the process until you're in it. Um, in fact, I think that it scared me more and made me feel like 
I mean, in the beginning, and I'm sure you kind of relate to this too, um, when you want to feel in control of something, you do everything you can to learn everything about it. So I felt like I was prepared for anything to come my way. In reality, like I was knocked off my rocker, like the first time when our first transfer failed, or I'm sorry, our first retrieval failed. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't like, I did everything right. Like, why did we fail? Like, it was so devastating for me. Um, So that's going to be my first thing that I learned is like, you can never be prepared for what actually happens through IVF, no matter how much studying, research, conversation, anything like it just doesn't prepare you for it until you actually go through it. Yeah. It's kind of like all things that we talk about with nutrition and training that everybody's different. Everybody has their own unique response to things. So um, just like the rest of, you know, everything we, everything else that we talk about, you, you can't really place anybody in a box of how they're supposed to respond. Do you feel like there's a lot of pressure to respond a certain way? Or do you feel like there was any, there's kind of like either societal pressure or just kind of like pressure that you put on yourself to like, I have to respond a certain way or I'm supposed to feel a certain way. Cause I know that with, with pregnancy, I remember talking to a coach who recently got pregnant and she was like, I felt like I had this expectation of how I was supposed to respond to pregnancy and then actually being pregnant. It was totally different than all of the expectations that were placed on me. Um, anything like that, where you felt like you were supposed to respond a certain way? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think as far as, you know, part of me sharing my journey. Like I definitely, so many people didn't, don't understand the process and that's okay. Um, so they just think that it's like, you know, step one, you do this, step two, you do this. And then it equals this. And I also had a lot of pressure on myself again, like the first egg retrieval we did, right? Like, um, I mean, the first question when they woke me up from our procedure, she's like, okay, so we retrieved like 22 eggs. I think And I was like, cool, what's the record, right? Like I immediately wanted to know like, okay, cool. Like how good is that? Like what's our next steps? You know, like thinking I'm completely in the clear. Did I pee Um, on my egg retrieval? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she just kind of looked at me like, I guess it threw her off. And I'm like a little loopy at that point. But um, yeah, like definitely had some expectations, especially uh, like from myself. And even, you know, I, I relate to what that coach said too in pregnancy, um, I, I think I was telling you this in Arizona too. Like I feel pretty dang good in my pregnancy. And I think it's just cause I've had a hell of a year with all the hormone fluctuations from IVF, but like people expect you to feel like shit for your first trimester. So if you have any, um, any other feedback than that, they're like, what? Oh, well just wait, you're going to start feeling like shit. Like just, just wait, you're going to feel awful soon. <laughs> like what kind of feedback is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it's like everybody, everybody has their own response, their own journey. And sometimes um, we, we place this, like it's, oh, it's usually a projection, right? It's usually like, well, I experienced this. So I want everybody else to experience the same thing or sure. don't want to be, you know, but it's just understanding that everyone's going to respond in their own way. Um, have you, like, are you continuing kind of in your normal style of training, everything like what, what does that look like since have you done anything differently? What's that looked like since you found out you're pregnant? Yeah. So a ton of things have changed since, uh, I mean, mostly like throughout the year for sure, but like even since we got pregnant. So what happens when they do the transfer, um, the embryo is like technically 
two and a half weeks at that point. So you, you do the transfer and then you have to wait for like 10 to 12 days before you do the testing to see if you're pregnant. And they usually just do a blood test and test your, your um, HCG levels. So we, during that time, um, my doctor like didn't even want me going on walks. She was like, I'm not even going to give you flexibility. Like I'm going to give you no slack with this. You need to relax. So um, that's definitely hard. Like, although at that time, like my training had definitely declined quite a bit, like just basically it was like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of like steady state cardio or just like some bodybuilding. Um, at that point at now she's like, okay, well, no working out, no walking, nothing like that. So that little stretch sucked. Um, and then afterward you can technically start to increase your activity, but um, they're also monitoring your HCG levels. And then um, I guess one of the pros, if you want to look at it as a pro with IVF is that your first trimester is monitored really closely. So like every two weeks you're in there doing blood work and an ultrasound and things like that. So it kind of freaks you out. Um, and I was actually a little scared to like start working out and start moving again. Cause you're like, yeah, I don't know. You just don't want to like mess things up. And I was just scared to, um, like interrupt anything that was happening with my body. So, uh, I, I kept it pretty light, um, from when we found out at week four to like week seven. And then we found out week seven that I actually had a subchorionic hemorrhage, which is just like bleeding between the, um, like basically like your uterus or like the membrane and your, like the wall. So, it increases your chance of miscarriage. And so they, they put me back on rest again from week seven to 10 um, and took me off some meds, like wanted the, um, like the bleeding to clot and stuff. So training went back down. And just last week, I was actually able to kind of pick things back up a little bit. So back to like steady state cardio and some like light bodybuilding. Has that been yeah. a, a uh, like a mindset shift for you to train in a way that's just, you're just getting in whatever movement you're allowed to and not like setting the world on fire, not hitting PRs, just kind of listening to your body and focusing more on recovery and lowering stress and that sort of thing. Has that been a mindset shift for you? Oh yeah. It's been so hard to shift, to make that shift. In fact, um, hopefully I get over this at some point in my pregnancy, but I'm like, because we own a gym here in Salt Lake and I actually feel like kind of embarrassed to go to our gym and like work out in front of people because I feel like you have these expectations, like, you know, Oh, it's, it's Cassidy. She's in the gym. You know, like she can do the class with us. Is she going to like lift heavy? She can do all this stuff. And I'm over in the corner, like walking on the treadmill and doing like air squats and like, and like, like pretty winded from that. <laughs> so it's definitely been tough. Um, I don't, uh, and this sounds so weird, but I actually don't enjoy working out as much right now. It's more of like, I'm doing this to be healthy and move my body versus like looking forward to, to it, which is that mindset is also kind of like, uh, it's a little bit of a battle for me, like mentally, because I want to be back. I want to feel normal again. I want to like be excited about working out, but it's just not quite there yet. Was your expectation going in that you were going to keep training and like doing your thing? Cause I know that there's like the, the coach I was telling you about, um, she was like, 
it doesn't matter. I'm going to train hard all through my pregnancy. I don't care what anybody says. Like they're all full of shit. I'm just going to do my thing. And then she felt at one point, I can't remember what part of her pregnancy, but was like, I physically can't do what I expected to do. And I yeah. like rocked her. She's definitely like the, you know, type a personality. Like I'm going to, I'm like, you know, going to beast mode, crush the workout and had this expectation that it wasn't going to slow her down. Did you have any like thoughts about what it would look like for you? You know, I didn't have a ton of expectations, um, actually, like just from experiencing IVF and then going into this, I feel like I've kind of lost a lot of confidence in my body and like the abilities as an athlete. Um, But if you asked me that question prior to going through IVF, when I was still like, you know, working out for fun and doing it and like still like somewhat competitive, you know, like meaning I could show up to a workout and still crush it. Um, I totally would have told you that I'm going to be that cute little pregnant chick at the gym, like that's crushing workouts and like beating people, things like that. Um, but IVF definitely like prepared me and kind of primed me to be pretty low key. (laughs) Um, have you thought about like what that's going to look like, you know, down the road, six months from now, nine months from now? Um, has this kind of helped you maybe that like going through that initially has prepared you to give yourself that grace period and, and just be like compassionate with your body and let, you know, your body recover and heal the way that it, that it needs to before like kind of, you know, pushing the gas pedal again, do you feel like you're better prepared for that? I definitely think that I'm more prepared to like let my body do its thing um, and like allow myself to be a little bit more human, I guess, versus like live up to, you know, CrossFit Games athlete, Cassie Dixon and, um, you know, things like that. It's definitely, it, it's made me more humble, I guess, um, to some degree. Yeah. So I, I think that recovery, I mean, I say this, but I think recovery and things like that will be much, I'll be much kinder to myself. I like to think <laughs> you, how, what are like nutritionally, what does that look like? Have you changed anything? Have you noticed any, um, you know, just any differences in what your body is craving or just how have you kind of progressed with your nutrition? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, through, through IVF, um, I like after my transfer, after my retrieval failed the first time, I, kind of went crazy and I locked down my diet, like insanely locked down my diet, locked down like environmental factors, um, exercise, uh, like supplements just went like ham on all of that stuff because I was like looking for ways that I could control the outcome. Um, so that definitely like everything was really, really locked down through my IVF process, um, all the way through the transfer. And I would say now, like, you know, I focus a lot on like blood sugar regulation right now, um, as much as I can, but I definitely have noticed, uh, I feel like there's this fine balance between like meals and snacks. And like, there's definitely foods that don't sound good to me, which have been a big, like, you kind of feel guilty for it. Cause I'm like, I don't feel like protein right now. Like (laughs) I just want some like fat and some carbs, like give me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, so I try as much as I can to still incorporate some normal food in there. And I know it will be normal at some point. Like the thought of eating chicken won't completely gross me out or, 
you know, things like that. But I have noticed a little bit of some like food aversions, um, nothing crazy with like nausea or anything like that, which I've really lucked out. Um, so just really kind of like managing those things. No, like weird, really weird cravings either. Um, which is good. Cause I, I feel like the more I feel in control of these things, the easier it makes things for me, like mindset wise. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what are some of the things that you're doing from a blood sugar standpoint that you feel like have been helpful for you? So I think the first thing is, um, like having a balanced snack, like first thing in the morning. Um, and that is like, even if it's not from meat for me, I am still trying to incorporate like some source of protein, like at least 20 grams with all of my snacks and just like my meals. And honestly, like most of my day right now is snacking because I don't think a lot of pregnant women realize that, you know, most of the time you're getting nauseous or like having a tough time with food. It's because you've probably pushed out your meal. Like you've allowed yourself to get too hungry. Um, and that stretch has been too long. So blood sugar plays a huge role into that, but also like, you know, you're pregnant, like you're expending a quite a bit more calories. Like your body needs a little bit more. So your normal snack time frequency or mealtime frequency is going to continue to change. So I, I snack a lot and try to include protein with each thing. Even if, even if it's from a protein shake or a protein bar, um, maybe a small, uh, like a Greek yogurt or anything like that. Um, but that's been the biggest thing for me. Um, and I really only have like one meal a day because I'm snacking so much and those bigger meals actually make me feel like shit. So as long as I don't go into a meal starving, I can have like a moderately sized meal, um, maintain the rest of the day with protein snacks and still things I enjoy. Like we've got some like, you know, gluten-free bread, like some heavier carbs that I'm not usually incorporating into my day, but things like that, that are just really helping me manage and not get to that point where you're so starving, you're nauseous or you can't eat because you're nauseous because you were so starving. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Um, have you found that you are like, okay with veggies or do they kind of turn you off the same way that chicken does right now? Um, veggies are kind of hit or miss. Like, um, if it's like cut up really small and almost like, I don't want to say camouflage because it doesn't bother me to see it, but it's like, I think texture is the weirdest thing for me right now with like meat and and veggies. Like it just all has to be, if it's in a bowl with some kind of good sauce that sounds good that day, then I'm usually okay. But definitely like veggie intake right now is down for me, which stresses me out. So I'm actually supplementing with like, um, like desiccated liver with folate, with choline, with things like that, because I'm so stressed about not getting the nutrients that I know I need from food. Um, and like in addition to your prenatal, because I think that that's an, another thing that is a common like misconception with women is that your prenatal covers everything when in reality, like food is what covers everything, nutrient dense foods. And then you can supplement some of those things. I hope I don't have to supplement those things throughout my whole pregnancy, but I feel like it's a good band-aid approach for me right now during this first trimester when it's so important on like, you know, as far as development goes for the fetus. So makes sense. Um, have you found that this whole process, uh, has made you a better coach? Like, would you, how would you say that, that it's influenced the way that you approach clients or 
anything, you know, just that you've taken away from the process so far that you feel like has carried over to either like your coaching style or just like how you connect with clients, anything that you've found that's been a, a carryover effect? Yeah, I definitely think that so like two things here. One, patience, right? Uh, I think we we are all at that point at some like as a coach at some point when we're kind of like at our wits end and we're like, why won't you do this? Or just kind of like not meeting the client where they're at. So it's given me patience to explore a little bit more with the client and understand like what's actually going on. Um, and then the second thing is like, it's taught me more how to like meet a client where they're at with the smallest things, right? Like what is the smallest thing we can do throughout your day to like win the day, right? Like something on, and I've learned that because I've had to focus my day like that too, where sometimes when I don't feel like working out and like, that's a tough battle for me some days, I'm like, okay, I'm going to set the clock for 30 minutes in the garage and I'm just going to move. Even if that's like stretching five minutes on the bike, um, maybe a couple air squats, like what's the bare minimum I can do to just continue to like check that off my list and win the day. And I think that that's really helped me set goals like that for my clients as well. And, um, understand kind of mentally what they might be experiencing. Whereas before I was just kind of like black and white as, as an athlete and as a coach, um, not quite black and white, but just not quite as understanding with like real life scenarios, honestly. Yeah. Have you found that like a lot of your clients who are more of the controlling type, like they want to feel like they're in direct control of the scale every day and, and they're like, you know, maybe similar to the way that you approach things initially through this process where you felt like, all right, I have to do everything I can to like control this outcome. Um, have you noticed any sort of like a connection there where you can see that like mindset and ways that you were able to, you know, process it and, and kind of help them through that? Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. I don't have a, like a ton of nutrition clients right now, but the clients that I do have, and they are all exactly like me, um, definitely have been able to like relate a little bit more with them about that, those kind of things and help them overcome them. Or like, again, like just kind of meet them where they're at and help them kind of have these like breakthroughs or these aha moments with those big things, like those big obstacles that they typically struggle with. Yeah. What would you say was your shift in focus from not being able to control the outcome to like, what are the things that you can control that you now focus on? Like, what would you say that shift was like for you? Yeah. I mean, that was like, I had like devastation had to happen for me in order to decide to make the shift. Um, and it was after my first retrieval failed, um, again, like completely threw me off, was not expecting it whatsoever. And (laughs) I remember like, they called us and told us and Justin just kind of like, I was sitting like right here and Justin was sitting across from me and he just like stared at me. And I think he was waiting for me to have like a meltdown and I didn't have a meltdown while he was here. He actually left and went to the, like to go coach at the gym and I was in the garage working out and I literally was like sobbing while I was on the bike, like had to get off the bike, sat on my gym floor and cried for a solid hour. And I had to get my shit together. I was like, what are you going to do? Like, what can we do to change the outcome? Um, and luckily, you know, I was working closely with Travis Zipper 
Um, he was helping me with some stuff through IVF. And then also he and I were building a course together all about infertility um, and how to overcome those things and just things that your doctor doesn't tell you. Like I could do a whole episode on that shit because it blew my mind, like what I was able to learn. Um, so, you know, between like what Travis and I were building and then what Travis was teaching me, I, and some research that I had done on my own too, I just looked at areas in my life that I could control. So I looked at my diet. I, at that point, scaled exercise back even a little bit more. Um, I reduced, I went crazy about environmental toxins in my house and beauty products and everything. Um, and, and then nutrition, I really, really dialed things in with, you know, food quality, um, fatty acids, uh, amino acids, like all of that stuff. I just like hammered down on and being able to chip away at that stuff every single day made me feel somewhat in control. And even mindset wise, I just went into the second retrieval and I was like, there's literally no way that this is going to get fucked up this time. Like there's no chance. Um, and it didn't like we actually, so our first retrieval when we had like 22 eggs retrieved, um, and only two made it to day five and went to genetic testing. And then both of them were abnormal. So they weren't viable for use. And then our second retrieval, I think we retrieved like 25 eggs and then, um, it dropped down to five to go into genetic testing, which is huge. Like we more than doubled our um, day five number. And then we had four come out that were viable. So everything paid off for sure. And, you know, I, I know it was all of those things that I just decided to take control of. And I mean, it was hard to implement, but I did, once you have your mindset on it and you know that this is the only thing you can do to control it, it really makes it a little bit easier. I think it's really powerful because you're looking at it from, you know, for all intents and purposes, you don't have direct control over the outcome. Like anything can happen. Randomness can happen. Uh, we can't control the direct outcome, but you can control the variables and the process that leads to the outcome that you want. And that's like anybody who wants something, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like when you want to lose weight, you, you wish so badly you could just control the scale and like, you know, right. You, you do everything right for a day and you're like, why isn't the scale responding? You can't directly control the scale, but over time, if you're consistent, if you control the things that you can, like you mentioned, you control what you do with your body, what you put in your body, the, you know, in, environmental toxins around you, things that you had control over, you controlled that to hopefully influence the outcome, which in your case, obviously it did for anybody who's on their fitness journey. It's, it's the same thing. Like we're, you know, we can look at it as a, a feeling of helplessness. Like I can't directly, you know, influence what the scale says on a day-to-day basis, but I can focus on the things that I can control that influence the outcome. And I know over enough time um, it's going to move in the right direction, even if it's not necessarily a specific number, but if you influence your health, if you influence your confidence, how you feel, your hormonal profile, your metabolism, all of those things are benefits of controlling what you can control and then hoping that it influences the ultimate outcome that you want, which I think is super powerful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think mentally too, um, you know, kind of like how you asked, like how that transferred over with coaching and like, even as a client, um, it really does just give you a sense of like, you know, at the end of the day, am I doing everything that I can to like, quote unquote, control the next day? 
um, just gives you kind of a peace of mind. Like, and like for me, my anxiety through IVF and through the past year has been like through the roof. And that was one thing that just really made me kind of like calm down and understand, like, there's literally nothing else I can do besides these things. So I'm going to do it day in and day out and hope like it's going to pay off. And I just, I truly believed that. Like I, I knew like when I would complain about the supplements and the food and like, you know, not drinking during the summer, like, you know, once in a while I'd have like a drink or two, but, um, like really it was hardly anything. And whenever I'd complain about that, I'm like, whatever, like this is this direct, like this directly affects my outcome. And that made me feel in some way in control and ease my anxiety quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, I'm curious now when you were going through the course, uh, with Travis, what were some of the things that you learned that, um, you feel like was missing in the medical community that doctors are not, um, telling you things that you learned through that process that you felt like were pretty eye-opening? Oh my gosh. It was so, so many things. Um, I remember talking to Travis afterward and I like, I actually felt dumb when I, realized how much these things that we changed, like really affected egg quality, not only egg quality, but like on the male side, it also affects sperm quality as well. So I actually felt dumb. And I remember telling Travis that, and he was like, listen, Cass, you can't like, you can't feel dumb about that kind of stuff. Like you just don't, you were involved in the process. Like they don't tell you that, like, just take a deep breath and understand that this is the stuff we can control now. Um, but it was just, you know, everything, um, basically like turned me into this like hippie granola, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> so it, it, like environmental toxins are huge. And what the, what kind of blew my mind too, is like my doctor, um, while I loved her to pieces and she was so kind with me, I like, I, I talked to her at one point about like environmental toxins. And when my first trans, um, gosh, I keep saying transfer. When my first retrieval failed, I got on a phone call with her and I was like, here's the things I'm changing. I'm adding these supplements, I'm pulling out environmental toxins. I'm changing this with my diet. Um, here's what I'm doing with my exercise. What else do I need to do? She's like, Oh, you know what? Like you're good. Like you're already so healthy that, you know, there's really no studies that show that environmental toxins really affect egg quality. And I was like, that's not true. Like that is not true at all. <laughs> you know, like, so that was another, the environmental toxins were huge. Um, and the littlest things we changed. So like, and I, maybe you relate to this too. Like you have two dogs that are bigger. I don't like my house to smell like dog. So I always have air fresheners in our house. Um, so we got rid of our air fresheners. We switched our coffee over to um, like a pour over, a glass pour over. So like no contact with hot water and plastic was happening. Um, all of our food went organic, grass fed, um, free range, like antibiotic free meats. Um, I increased my fat intake quite a bit and my, um, like my, my fatty acids, we focused a lot on just a huge variety of fatty acids um, antioxidants, that was huge too. And that was some of the supplements I was taking was to combat some of the like, you know, inflammation and things like that. Um, exercise, we pulled it pretty far back, just mostly like 
30 minute sessions, low intensity cardio, keeping my steps up. Um, and then let's see. Yeah. I mean, those were the, those were the main things. And then stress relief, of course, like trying to keep that at bay. Those are the, the, the main things we changed, but those are also the main things that no one freaking talks about. Um, it just blew my mind that that was the thing. And like, there's all these women that are going through IVF, uh, like, <laughs> like millions of women go through IVF per year. And they're just not talking about any of that stuff. It just, it, it's so insane. And like, it just blows my mind. What do you feel like the message is right now for women that are experiencing it? Do you feel like it's just, Hey, you're not alone. This is normal. And like, there's kind of nothing you can do about it. Is that what you feel like the messages or like, what is the common, um, I guess, message that women are hearing in your opinion? I think that it is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's definitely like, you're not alone at the fertility clinic. They're huge on like pushing the infertility communities and things like that, which I think are great, but it's like, you're not alone. Trust the process, trust your doctor. Um, you know, we'll we'll get through this, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And it's a, it's a sad thing to see because through this process, I've also, it's opened up a ton of conversations because I've shared it so openly on social media. And, um, I've had the chance to talk to a lot of people that just are like, their mind is blown by some of the factors that they can control that again, like their doctors are not mentioning anything about like, even like acupuncture leading up to your transfers and things like that. Um, like so beneficial and like the statistics show how, um, how it increases success rates pretty significantly. And you would think that that would be like a requirement, right? Like fertility clinics want you to come to them and have a good experience and be successful, but they just don't talk about that shit. Um, I mean, and even conventional medicine for me, I was the one who had to prompt my doctor to even take a look at like Justin's semen analysis. I'm like, Hey, things aren't working on my end. Um, well, let's test this guy. Let's see what's going on over here. And he's like, that's a great idea. And then of course, like all of our problems are solved once we figure that out. So it's just, I don't know. I just want women to be more aware and more independent with this journey and be able to make those decisions and take action and make changes um, that are hard, but are so valuable and beneficial through the journey of infertility. Yeah. I think that's such an important message. It's, it's coming from a place of wanting more information out there, empowering the individual to, to know more so that they can be an advocate for themselves. And I think that that is, I mean, if we think about just like everything that's happening in our world right now, like there's nothing more important than having access to information and not feeling like you're um, just blindly following something just because. And I think that it all comes down to like, if people have information available to them and they feel empowered and they feel like well-informed, then they can make the decision that they feel is in their best interest. I think that that's the point that, that matters the most is, but a lot of times to your, to your point, that's not being, um, it's not being put out there. It's not being mentioned. It's just kind of like, you know, trust the process to your point is like, that's kind of the, you know, the message that's being portrayed is it's okay. You're not alone. We've got resources. That's, kind of more so like treating the symptom more so than like, let's empower you to 
address the root cause or to at least look at this differently and, um, you know, provide more information. So, um, that's, that's necessary across the board, not just with infertility, but, you know, for all of us with what we're experiencing right now. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I'm going to be doing my own little experiment very soon, uh, with, with Aaron Comstock, I'm going to be going through her detox program. So I'm going to document everything. Um, she's big on environmental toxins as well. Uh, we're starting that Mel and I are starting that January 3rd. And so a lot of people think that a detox is like you're eating nothing, but I actually have to eat 3000 calories per day for the first two weeks. And then the second two weeks, um, it's down to, I think 2000 calories per day, but it'll be an interesting experiment to see how I feel with, um, you know, just getting in like crazy amounts of fiber and, uh, doing like the gallstone flush. flush. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually really excited about it. I've, I've just, you know, I feel like I always like to, uh, like test things on myself before I recommend anything to anyone else. So it'll be a good little experiment to, to go through and clean things up around here. And then, um, you know, obviously with food quality, because this time of year, everybody's lacking in the food quality department. And I'm For sure. so, <laughs> I'm yeah. um, awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate the, the conversation and you being so forthcoming and transparent. Um, where can everybody connect with you and stay up to date on your whole journey and everything that you've got going on? Yeah. Um, so you guys can find me on Instagram. That's kind of where I'm the most active at Cassidy.life.elevated. Um, I'm on Facebook too, just at Cassidy Dixon and my podcast. If you guys want to catch up on, you know, some of the interviews that I did, um, I did a whole series during national infertility awareness week, um, interviewing actually, um, um, infertility from the female side, infertility from the male side, and then infertility from the couple's side. So kind of have like all perspectives from that. Uh, that was back in April. So my podcast is Be Unstoppable Radio on iTunes. So that's a fun one to catch up on. But otherwise, I'm most active on Instagram. So find me there. Perfect. And I will post all that in the show notes and definitely go listen to the podcast because that sounds super interesting. And then after you get through all the infertility episodes, then you can go back and listen to my interview on Cassidy's podcast. And yes. On conversation. <laughs> uh, well, it's always great chatting with you. Uh, really enjoy our conversations and getting to connect with you. And um, we will talk very soon. Have a happy new year if I don't talk to you before then. Thank you so much. You too.